Christian Heritage Ministry, in cooperation with Fuller Seminary, proudly presents the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, a broadcast of the Gospel with Dr. Charles E. Cole. Everybody taking part and singing out heartily, jump right into it now and sing Heavenly Sunshine and turn around and shake hands with as many as possible. All together, Heavenly
song sheets and turn to number 132, we'll sing the first and third verses of that old familiar song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And friends of the old-fashioned revival hour, I know you'll remember that a few weeks ago we asked for day of prayer, and we asked God on that day for revival in the hearts of our people, which would take America back to the faith upon which our country was founded. That day of prayer was observed over a wide area on the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And so, at the close of the singing of these two verses, I'm going to ask you to stand, and you in the radio audience, stand with us, and let's pray for our leaders. So let's stand and sing the first and third verses of What a Friend We Have in Jesus, and remain standing for prayer. confess that thy son, thy beloved son, left the glory above and came down 
took upon himself the form of sinful flesh, incarnate in the flesh. We love to confess that Christ, who was rich yet for our sakes, became poor, that we through his poverty might be rich. And how we do thank thee today for thy great love, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And thou didst so love us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Nineteen hundred years ago he came, no room at the inn, later no place to call his home or his own. And Heavenly Father, we just thank thee that he set his face towards Jerusalem, on the morning of Calvary, went to the cross, and there thou didst cause to strike upon him all of our iniquity, that if we elect to come under that substitutionary atoning work, thou wilt receive us, and we'll be reconciled to thee, being justified by faith, have peace with thee. May men and women hear the glorious gospel that the power of God unto salvation may many receive Christ as their personal Savior today at this Christmas season. And may Christ become incarnate in many, many hundreds of souls today now in darkness. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.
You're listening to the old-fashioned revival hour from the Municipal Auditorium at Long Beach, California. This is Charles E. Fuller speaking.
your Bible's handy, turn to the fifth chapter of Micah in the Minor Prophets, verse 2, very familiar verse, about thou, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. May we consider just briefly upon this second verse of the fifth of Micah as the basis of this theme, the incarnation and birth of Christ. Now, Micah was preeminently a prophet of the poor and a friend of the oppressed. And some 700 years before the birth of our Lord, God revealed to Micah that the Savior would be born in the little village of Bethlehem in the province of Judah. Isaiah, a contemporary of Micah, prophesied or foretold our Lord's virgin birth. In Isaiah 7:14, Behold, a virgin shall conceive, and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Micah predicts his village birth, that Christ would be born in Bethlehem. 700 years later, during the days of Herod the Great, the Magi from the east, in search of the spot where Christ had been born, obtained from this passage in Micah 2 the direction to continue their journey. Now, Micah was the first of all the prophets to focus men's eyes upon Bethlehem as the birthplace of the coming Deliverer. Christ was not born in the capital at Jerusalem. He was born of a humble origin, a sharer of the poor man's burden, the poor man's Messiah. May we consider just briefly and very informally our Lord's birthplace, Bethlehem, in three different ways, because of Bethlehem's history, because of Bethlehem's name, and then because of Bethlehem's position. Now, it seems right that our Savior should be born in Bethlehem because of Bethlehem's history. 
of Bethlehem is a small village about five miles south of Jerusalem in the hill country of Judea. And Bethlehem was and is dear to the heart of every true Israelite today. The first mention of Bethlehem in the Scriptures is a sorrowful one. For there Rachel, the beloved wife of Jacob, died at the birth of her son Benjamin. And Rachel, before dying, named her son Benoni, meaning a son of my sorrow. Might not this be prophetic of our Lord, who is to be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief? Then there is Naomi in the book of Ruth, how that Elimelech, her husband of Bethlehem of Judah, because of a severe famine in that country, left Bethlehem and with his wife Naomi and his two sons to sojourn in the country of Moab. And there in the country of Moab, the two sons were married to Ruth and to Arpha. But a little bit later, Elimelech dies, her two sons die, and she has left the two daughter-in-law. Arpha does not care to go back to Bethlehem, but Ruth said, I will go with thee, whithersoever thou goest, I will go. And they went back to Bethlehem. But before they went back, Naomi said, Let my name be called Mara, bitter, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. Well, Ruth and Naomi went back, and it was there at Bethlehem that Ruth began to glean in the field, that Boaz looked upon her, sought her for his wife. And then it was at Bethlehem that their marriage was celebrated. And later on, Boaz becomes the father of Obed, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David, in direct line to Joseph and Christ. Well, also in Bethlehem we have David the mighty hero, the ruddy-faced shepherd lad who smote the Philistine giant who later was crowned king. Yes, Bethlehem is rich in the historical happening. Now there's something in the name Bethlehem and the two names Ephratah. The word Bethlehem has a double meaning and I want you to listen carefully. First, the house of bread. How significant it is, should not Christ the bread from heaven be born in the house of bread? For in John 6:48, Christ speaking to his disciples centuries later said, I am the bread of life. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat this bread, he shall live forever. And if you have not partaken of Christ, the bread of life, you are dead in trespasses and sin, without hope and without Christ. All men need this bread from heaven. And if you'll eat of this bread, the written word and the living word, the bread from heaven, uh, you shall live. But there's another meaning to the name Bethlehem. Seldom is it ever brought out. 
Listen carefully. Bethlehem is also called the house of war. For Christ is either the bread of life to those that are in Him and to those outside of Christ. He is the house of war. Christ is the food to the righteous, but to the wicked He is the house of war. For did not Christ say, Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I am come not to send peace, but a sword. Friend outside of Christ, if you do not know Christ the house of bread, then Christ is a house of war to you. For he shall come against thee daily and for all eternity with a sword, the sword of eternal destruction. Now listen, coupling it up with 1 Corinthians 1, I find these words, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to unto us who are saved it is precious, the bread of life. Don't forget those two phases, those two sides. The house of bread to those that receive the gift of eternal life, but the house of war if you reject and trample underfoot the blood of Jesus Christ. In passing, may we note the meaning of the word ephrata, which means fruitfulness or abundance. So to those that are in Christ, They become fruitful. If a man abide in me, says Christ, and my words abide in him, he shall bring forth much fruit. Now, quickly, I want you to note Bethlehem's position. And I hasten to this point because I want to enlarge upon it. Little among the thousands of Judah. Now, Christ was born in a manger amidst the little ones of Bethlehem, not on Hebron's mighty lofty peaks, not in Jerusalem in a palace, but in the humble surroundings of the poor of the little village of Bethlehem. And even to this day, Christ dwells in the hearts of the lowly and humble and contrite and broken heart. He that humbleth himself, God says, shall be highly exalted. And as I meditated over this verse in Micah 5, 2, question after question came to my heart. And I want to put it to you. Perhaps you have thought of it. Perhaps you have not. Mary and Joseph, at the time of the birth of Christ, were living in Nazareth, some 90 miles north of Bethlehem. What caused them to take that long, arduous journey, Mary being great with child, and come down to the little village of Bethlehem? Why was it that Micah, 700 years before the birth of Christ, out of all of the cities of Europe and Asia and Africa, put his finger on the little village of Bethlehem. Why was it, if he were guessing, why didn't he say that Christ would be born in Jerusalem? 
because every king from David down in Judah was born in Jerusalem. But no, out of all of the cities and villages and hamlets, Christ was to be born in Bethlehem. And God speaking through the prophet 700 years before the birth of Christ put his finger on the little village in Bethlehem. All right. Mary and Joseph had their home in the city of Nazareth, 90 miles north of Bethlehem. Joseph, a carpenter by trade, had his business associates and his means of livelihood there and their friends and relatives. What caused them to leave and go the long 90 hard miles to the south to the little village of Bethlehem. And the more I meditated upon these questions, the more I marveled at God's Word and at the leadings of God and God's hand upon the affairs of man. The first part of Luke, Luke, the second chapter, we find these words. Now I want to help you. It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. What does it mean? Simply this, that they were to be counted as a census. We take the census of our own country every ten years. But a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be counted a census should be taken for the purpose of taxation. Now will you follow me? And I am reliably, I have reliable information on this from a source that I know is reliable. Seven years before the birth of Christ, 7 BC, this decree came from Caesar Augustus to Herod in Judea. Herod did not want to obey the orders from the king of Rome, the emperor. And Herod took a trip to Rome to try to dissuade Caesar from taking a census of the people in his province. And it took time. It took days and months sometimes to travel that distance from the land of Palestine west to Rome. According to the pleasure of the winds and the storms, depended on how soon they made it. But anyway, when Herod went to Rome, Caesar Augustus told him to get back to the Judea province and there take that census or he'd lose his head. And back went Herod, back to Judea. And even then, he put off the taking of that census until finally the last word came to him, take that census or you die. Now, if that census had gone through seven years prior to the birth of Christ, would Mary and Joseph perhaps not known each other? Of course they would not have gone up to Bethlehem. And God held off the taking of that census until the very hour, the day, and the month, and the year 
that was in God's mind would be the day on which Christ would be born. Now, why did they go to Bethlehem? Here it is. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone in his own city. Now Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Why? Because he was of the house and lineage of David. And it was the rule and order of the day that when a census was to be taken in Judea, that everyone had to go back to their ancestral home and their register. That was the order. And so Mary and Joseph start the long journey down the hard road from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And bless your heart, God held back and moved the kings and moved the authorities until the very time that Joseph and Mary, great with child, came into Bethlehem. And in the appointed time, Christ, born of a woman, the virgin, came forth to be the Savior of the world. And when I learned those things and heard how God moves kings and nations and people and events to accomplish His will, I could hardly keep from shouting hallelujah. God's got His hand on the affairs of the world today in spite of all the godless inroads of the godless country. And He's going to move the nation according to His will. And so they went. Now listen, could you foretell 700 years from now that a certain child would be born a son in a certain city? Why, of course you can. And yet the prophet said, in the city of David, there would be born a son, and his name would be called Emmanuel. 700 years before and down from David, how God protected the line, male child here, male child here, male child here. Three generations after Abraham Lincoln died, he had no line of lineage. And yet for 700 years, God protected the line and brought forth Son Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And at this Christmas season, my prayer is that he may be born in your heart. You become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Let's bow in prayer. Out in the radio audience, will you give your hearts to Christ today? Him that cometh unto me, God says, Oh, no wise cast out. And Christ is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And this Savior, born 1900 years ago, seated now at the right hand of the Father, is pleading with you to come. Come unto me, all you labor and rest. 
and I'll give you all your labor, and I'll give you rest. Will you come? Continue in prayer. This is Charles E. Fuller bidding you goodbye and God's richest blessing upon you.